This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Tessa Dooms joins me next, political analyst, activist, and a director at Ravonia Circle. And there's a lot going on at Ravonia Circle, but also Tessa Dooms is... Uh, and, 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 you know, Tessa Dooms is, is somebody who... I, over time, watched as she wrote various, various uh, articles in, in, in a particular newspaper and, 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 and read those over time. And, yeah, for, for all intents and purposes, you know, just marked it and said, yeah, you know, good point. And, you know, other, other times I leaned on what Tessa would have said and the arguments, strong arguments that would have been made and used them to, to you know, either strengthen my point or to initiate a particular point. But let me bring Tessa Dooms into the conversation because she's somebody who's very, very vocal these days. Also, I think more so as we head to an absolutely important election we're going to be having in 2024. So, yes, we're speaking to the political analyst, activist, and a director at Ravonia Circle, Tessa Dooms. And this is after, well, I think it was on Sunday or recently held Voters Caucus, where more than 30 voters from different walks of life gathered to make a voting group ahead of the 2024 general election. And that's something that is something very, very different uh, from what you would normally be reading or normally, you know, seeing ahead of an election. This is a scenario whereby I think if you, if you, and I looked at it in various ways, and I'll, I'll engage Tessa around those specifics of how to look at it in various ways, because in essence, you could take a group of 30 voters. In essence, you could take a community like where Denzel Taylor lives, and if Denzel Taylor then began to have a a you know a, a let's call it you know a self-initiated uh, group of where he lives and what are the issues and who, which particular candidate they should vote for, what those candidates should stand for, not to indicate who they need to vote for, but what was important in a particular community like where Denzel Taylor lives. And if you took that further on scale and scale and scale and scale, you could upscale it to an extent whereby you begin to have proper conversations in a country about what is important to what the voters want instead of the manifestos that you see coming from political parties. Let me bring Tessa Dooms into the conversation. Tessa, welcome to Power 98.7. Welcome to Power Perspective. Good evening, Denzel. Um, thank you for having me, and um, that was a very generous description of my work. <laughs> well, well, Tessa, you've been writing for a while, and 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 I must tell you, I've appreciated it on numerous fronts because I've I've seen it that it's 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 out there, it's radical, it's you you don't shy away from a lot of the 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 issues, and long before Rivonia Circle, I think you were making your voice heard in and amongst those articles that you were writing already. So uh, you've, been, you've been saying a lot of things for a long, long time. And, and I think it's just coming you know, further to the, to the fore now that we have an election at hand and, and maybe you know, people are beginning to say, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's talk about that and let's talk about that. But let's, let's look at this, this whole issue of a voter's caucus. The, would, would I be right if I said something new in essence being brought about 
maybe not even on trial, but but an an, an established entity that's just not trying something that's 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 different, but trying something that says, hey, wait a minute, we can turn the tables here and we could be the important ones and those guys we vote for could be the secondary ones. Yeah, certainly. Um, so the ideas come to me over time mm. that um, elections um, in most contexts, but particularly in ours, mm. has always been crafted as the time for the politician, the time mm. for the political party. Mm. Um, and even civil society, in my analysis of looking at the role that civil society has played in elections post-94. Mm. Um, I remember having a conversation with Mark Hayward, and he spoke about, um, of course, the UDF, but also kind of the, the lead into the 1994 election. And he said one of the big things that was different about that election mm. was that um, citizens and communities had to do voter education, right? Mm. Because people hadn't voted before. Yeah. So there was this big, I mean, there was only 10 months between the time the election was declared and the 94 election happened. Mm. But he says there was this concerted effort amongst citizens, amongst civil society organizations, amongst community groups, street committees mm. to do voter education. And mm. it seems like after the 94 moment, yeah. we kind of let that go. And mm. we've made politics, or at least the, the electoral moment, mm. about the politicians, um, you know, two election cycles ago, the um, stadiumomics started and we started looking at how who can fill the biggest stadiums mm. and your slogans. But the voter has been lost in it. Mm. And as we see voter numbers decline, I mean, in the 2021 elections, 40 million people were aged 18, so eligible to vote in that sense. Mm. Only 26 million registered and only 12 million showed up. Mm. There's about a third mm. that actually made the decisions. Mm. So I think the voter has um, lost their place. And I think something like Voter Scorkers was my idea of saying, what, what can we do for voters mm. and voters mm. to come together and start to open this election and realize that without our vote, there is no election. Mm. And we should actually be the ones who win whatever election is um, on play. Mm. Tessa, let me. I, I want to come to the voter voter caucus and voting group. But you started at an interesting place. You started at a place where, of course, the UDF was 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 instrumental in 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 bringing uh, 1994 around and and how things happened then. And I was I was somebody who was watching that particular space and getting into journalism at that particular space as well. And so I I watched the growth of. Of the UDF um, uh, participated in some of those particular movements and 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 things that happened at that particular time. But I was young, and and politics was 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 something that, of course, when you know when you looked at it, it was something you needed to do, because of the time. So you talk of you talk of all of those particular entities that were under the UDF, and there were women, there were you know Muslim groups, there were coloured entities, there were you know all sorts of structures, there were. Uh, it was a bunch of all sorts of interest groups, unions and sport entities, everybody combined under the UDF. And so it was this big, 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 uh, you know, organization that, that, that took everybody in. And all of those particular organizations campaigned where they were. If they were on the shop floor, they did that. If they were, you know, a union, they did that. If they were at schools, for example, like SACOS was, they did that and all sorts of institutions. But Sometimes I think, and, and, and maybe you can comment on this, that it was a very deliberate political 
thing to 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 destroy all of that because it it had the potential of becoming a threat in the future if you didn't bring it into one particular umbrella. And so every single one of those entities was destroyed. And I think sometimes when 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 you talk of, you know, we have let go of that particular space, what do you what do you suggest? What do you say to a a particular narrative that says it was it was deliberately they were deliberately collapsed so that in essence there was one formation and that all of these entities that could have grown separately somewhere else into their own, you know, were, were, were collapsed so that that doesn't happen. And so we are where we are because we are where we are and of, of a deliberate event where a political party or a political initiative was taken and said, if we let all of these things go and we don't collapse them, they could become, in essence, competitors in the future. And we have to we have to do that. So sometimes maybe it wasn't we let it go, but sometimes there, there's a deliberate hand in all of this. What do you say to that? Yeah, I was 10 years old in 1994, <laughs> so I have no authority on what people were doing politically at the time. Right. But um, over the last year, I have had the opportunity to speak to a lot of people who were activists at that time. And I remember a conversation particularly in KZN last year, mm. where a group of UDF activists posited the same thing. Mm. And then he said, they asked the question because they, they came across as incredibly despondent. Mm. None of them had taken up roles in, in politics or government. Uh, many of them still doing work in their communities, but very despondent about the outcome of the democratic promise. Mm. And one of them asked me, he, or said to me, he one often wonders what would have happened if the UDF contested as a party mm. in the 94 election. Mm and didn't kind of hand over their political agency to mm. other political parties, particularly the ANC at the time. Mm. And for, for, for me, that did signal a sense that there was a kind of dismantling mm. and a demobilization. And whether the demobilization was political intent or not at the time, mm. I, I wouldn't want to venture into that. Mm. But I do think that that was a moment of demobilizing society. Mm. And I think that if we said the best case scenario in that moment, mm. you know, without political malice, mm. that it was a moment to say, you know, we have fought for a government of our people mm. in, in political terms, a government of our comrades. Mm. And so we're going to now kind of rest in the be a citizen mm. and we're going to allow the government to do all of the things that mm. we had to do for ourselves when we had no government. Mm. And I think that was a demobilizing moment that perhaps started to undo mm. an action campaign, because um, that was also around the time of the, the Soweto Water Committees, Cactus Committees, the Electricity, um, there were already those, at those points, groupings that were going around the service delivery protests. Mm. And I think we, we didn't reorganize ourselves to take power mm. in those moments. Mm. We reorganized ourselves to perhaps challenge power mm. and resist the state or to you know, demand better of the state. But I don't think we've had a moment where we've truly mm. as um, communities of people decided what is our role in this democracy? Mm. What is our role in a democracy that says we must co-govern? Mm. The people shall govern. What does that mean? Mm. I don't think we've given meaning to that. Um, in ways that is starting to show, you know. Mm. So with with the advent of political parties, and particularly 
the important decision that was made in 1994 that we've not revisited yet, mm-hmm. to have a proportional representative system. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote about this a few months ago where it, it, Bali Musa, I think, laid it out, mm-hmm. where the PR system was chosen because that's what the National Party wanted. Because mm-hmm. they knew one man, one vote, and voting for constituencies mm. would mean that they would definitely not win. Yes, they would not. They, they, there was no way they could compete in, in, in the numbers game. Exactly. So it became mm. parties only mm. in order to ensure that minority groups like the National Party mm. would be able to get seats. Now, 30 years later, we still have the, that system. But the system has perverted itself in that political parties have too much power mm. and the voice of citizens in between elections mm. is almost completely lost because the MP doesn't have to respond to me. Mm. The MP doesn't have to listen to me. The MP is not accountable to me because mm. it's the party that can remove the MP, not me. Isn't, isn't, but, isn't, that, isn't that, Tessa, as I'm listening to you and my mind's going, you know, uh, just devil's advocate a lot of times, and and this is part of the conversation we 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 need to have about the voters caucus and those voting groups. Let me let me give you the the devil's advocate of that, in in a sense whereby I'd put it to you that whilst it might have worked and did work for the national party as you put out, that it would it they would never have stood a chance in a day whereby you know their candidates would have gone up against you know a a, a black candidate in an election where they were the, the former oppressors so they would never have stood a chance way back then and so they chose that particular model that's the model we still have isn't it the argument still to make of the 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 authority of the day where things have changed maybe from a racial perspective where that particular decision in 1994 pre 1994 would have been taken on a racial basis whereby it would have been what is the black guy going to you know get versus what the black uh, a black what is a white voter uh, individual going to get if he stands against somebody who's black so let's let's vote as a group today that scenario works for amongst other some political parties because it hides the abilities aspect. So if you get to communities and you get to local government structures whereby you vote for en masse a particular party whereby if Denzel Taylor was standing against somebody else, you, you start measuring them up by what kind of values they particularly stand for. So in essence, my argument would be maybe it it is, you know, uh, a, a thing that's being held onto for different reasons because of the ability aspect. The, the one might not have the ability of the other candidate who's standing. And so they gain by this whole clumping together in one, in one political party aspect. Yeah, I, I think we're, similar, we're on a similar page there. Mm. Um, because I think the current political incumbents, um, mm. I mean, we're talking about 13 in parliament alone, and there are mm. many others. For the majority of those parties, they have come to some kind of power, whether it's one seat in parliament Mm. or 260. Mm. They've come to those seats through this system. Mm. And this system has lent itself to the dominance of parties in the political landscape. And they've learned political mannerisms and behaviors on the basis of that, right? Mm. And so they don't want to give up that. They don't want to give up the dominance of the party, the kind of culture that's been created. We've seen it now with the independence um, electoral amendment bill, where they've come up with a rather irrational idea 
of independents being on the same ballot as parties, mm. all in an effort to avoid any form of constituency voting. Mm. And this is about protecting the political culture that has given parties power. Mm. Got you. There's, Voters? There's things about that to, to point out um, quite quickly. One is that for bigger parties, mm. there's been this mushrooming that they've seen of smaller political parties. Mm. And those are not necessary because there's about 300 parties that participated in the 2021 election, for example. Mm. Mm. Those are not necessarily parties in the way that the ANC is a party. Mm. They're really just groupings of people who want representation. Mm. And the second part of that is that the ANC doesn't want accountability mm. because why people want representation close to them is, in the words of my father about why he didn't vote in 2021, he said, I don't know those people. I want to vote for someone I know. Mm. And, and, and the point, yes, we're on the same page as, as you put it. Let's go to, let's go to voter voting groups and, and, and voters' caucus. Um, yeah. pretty, pretty much... Um, a new development i i haven't maybe it's happening you know across the across you know various other sectors and people are getting together in in other ways but but i i think this was unique in a way unique in a sense of you know 30 people who didn't know each other getting together and saying you know okay so you know here here are various issues and let's put them all on the table and and hammer them out and you know between us maybe there's even some consensus that that's unique from from a small group of people who might not and and I would think that this particular uh, uh case here would not be from a specific community that they'd be various people from all groups of life from all from all different areas that that would come together and just try to find commonality would 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 I be right or what yeah Okay. So that wasn't intentional. Um, it really happened that way because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I, just, <laughs> right. I, I put out an invitation into the ESA um, right. for anyone who was in the Joburg area uh-huh. and wanted to come to a, a, vote, a meeting of other voters. Right. And whether you were a decided voter or not, whether you were in a party or not, mm. you were still invited to come because... Mm. The tendency, and some people thought it should only be for undecided voters. Sure. And I didn't think that that's a good idea either. Because if I'm a decided voter, but I've decided to vote for the party that kills all dogs. Yeah. I I should have a forum amongst other voters where I can put that view out. Yeah. And if vote, other voters disagree with me, mm. they should be able to say, hey, I don't think that's a great idea. Mm. Or tell me more about that choice, about voting for that particular party. Mm. See, we've created a a culture, a weird culture of silence and secrecy around our vote. Mm. Now, people will say, yes, but, you know, the Constitution says your vote is your secret. Mm. And I agree with that. (laughs) But we all know secrets are something you can share or not. Right. It's your secret. You Mm. can decide. And even if it doesn't, you don't share, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't stop the discussion around issues up until the point that you make that secret vote. Absolutely. And mm. also, um, I don't even know what you actually do in the ballot. Mm. You know, I, mm. I was making a comment yesterday that um, voters are deceptive. They'll come to all of your rallies and still vote against you. Mm. Will not show up for you on voting day. They'll take, they'll take your food parcel. Mm. They'll, they'll take your food parcel and still not vote for you. Mm. And so the point was about creating a new culture of talking about at least the motivations for our votes mm. and talking about the options that we see on the table. Mm. And, and I make this um, clarion call for two reasons. One is that your vote affects me and my vote affects you. Yeah. So if, if I can't talk to you about your vote, 
Mm. I mean, what, what are we doing here? It's a shared thing. Mm. Um, I, I use the phrase that voting is a group project. Mm. It's the mm. biggest group project a, um, a country goes through. Mm. And political parties have been voting in groups all the time. Mm. They figure out who their group is. They figure out the number of people in their group, at least the ones they can spot. Mm. Mm. And they, mm. make, they hedge bets on the fact that they know their numbers. As voters, we are, we are told that voting is an individual thing. Mm. If you're not part of a political party, mm. it's completely individualized. And I think besides the fact that that's not how we in African context operate, mm. it's simply not true because it is the collection of our individual votes that decides the end. Mm. So if, if anybody did a group project at school or at varsity, mm. if you're put into a group of five people for your project, the day that you get that assignment, you don't all say, hey, guys, all the best. You all go mm. to your separate houses. We'll see each other on the day we submit. Yeah. You would never do that because if that other person does nonsense, it will affect your mark. Yeah. And so if somebody is going to vote in a way that is going to affect my future negatively, I should have the ability to talk to them. And we must have the ability to have these engagements. And that's what voters caucus and its heart is really and is coming together, engaging on not only the issues but also the options. So, so Tessa, the does, does of those options. Tessa, yeah. the the fact that you had it and you felt the need to have it, um, and and are we talking about it today, like 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 it's something new and and something foreign, and and yet you know uh, we we might have been there in the past. Doesn't in the past doesn't it tell us that we we we're not talking enough? About, oh, the, the, about the issues that, that impact either me or you or, you know, me and my neighbor and or, you know, me and the, and, and, and the person on the other side, you know, of town about our, our cities and our communities and our streets and, and what's important enough. So in, you've, you've agreed that absolutely we, we're not talking enough. And I think we used to talk enough, but we're not talking enough anymore because we've been led to believe that our vote is our secret. And so we end everything there. And so we've also just assumed that does, that doesn't mean that we, we need to talk about various things up until our vote. What, what then is the takeaway that, that you've taken away from, from this particular aspect? Because I think your takeaways are going to be important because in various ways you could scale this. So, yeah. so you start with 30 people who don't know each other from everywhere and, and every other place, and, and so they don't have a common particular goal that they want to achieve, for example, in a, in a small community about their particular ward councillor. There's, there's nothing like that. But it does bring up broader issues about what concerns them as citizens. So that's a massive starting point. But for me, looking at the scaling of this on all sorts of levels, what is what is your takeaway uh, from, from just you having a meeting, even though you said, you know, I didn't know what I was doing? I think, I think you've started something so important. Yeah, I mean, the takeaway was that people um, really needed to talk. Yeah. And what surprised me about the conversation most is these are people who voluntarily came to a meeting of voters mm. and the dominant conversation for the first half of the engagement was about why people refused to vote. Yeah. And people were just making their case for why they won't vote to the point that there was a group um, of, of young men who started saying maybe what we should do is organize a mass protest. Mm. 
and mm. protested all voting stations for all of us who don't want to vote. There are millions of us because there are at least 14 million people unregistered and 14 million people who didn't show up the last time. Yeah. They were like, we could use all of those millions of people and just protest the whole thing mm. to show that we're unhappy. And so there was this energy around not voting. Mm. And then there was a counter discussion about what happens if we turn that energy of not voting mm. into an energy to vote. Yeah. And I thought it was such an interesting, you know, balance of things. But, but what happened by the end of the, the day, we really had conversations about what are the issues we care about and the issues mm. were long. Yeah. You know, the list of issues were long. And I said to everyone, in fact, we need to figure out how to narrow these down. Yeah. Um, and I use an example of... Um, there's a group called Friday for Futures yeah. Germany. I call them a group very loosely. Mm. They're really a movement of 1.4 million teenagers mm. across the country that are connected through WhatsApp groups and Zoom. Mm. And what they do is every Friday they hold demonstrations or activations around the climate agenda. Right. And before the last election in Germany, they set out a climate agenda and they lobbied every political party that was contesting to adopt their climate agenda into the manifesto, mm. the solutions that they had. So that when the coalition government needed to form, the only thing the coalition government agreed on outrightly was those young people's suggestions. Mm. And when I spoke to one of the veterans of the and I asked him, how did you guys get this right? Because most of your members are teenagers who can't vote. Mm. He said, for every one of us, there's at least one or two parents who do vote. Yeah. And they use their collective power around the issues that they cared about. And I said to the, the, um, the participants, maybe we should be more specific about our issues. Rally around issues before the election and get our issues into the manifestos. Mm. That will pique our interest more. And people really took to, to these ideas and, and we convinced each other. Mm. And people said, well, even people who said, I'm not sure I'm voting yet, said, but I do want to have a conversation like this with other people. Sure. So I have made a commitment to create a one-page um, house guide on hosting a voter's caucus. Mm. Family, it can be in your neighborhood, it can be with random strangers. Mm. But the idea of us really deliberating over this vote and seeing if we can find strategic ways to vote rather than just, you know, passing it by in a braai. Mm. <laughs> passing it by in a braai. Tessa, the, the, the important aspect that you started the conversation with was, you know, the, the acknowledgement that the way I vote impacts your lifestyle and the way you would vote would impact my particular lifestyle. And those, those particular changes as to how you would vote on my life are drastic sometimes and how I would decide to vote those changes on your particular lifestyle would be would be drastic as well, depending on the fact that we we, we might not agree on so much. Do, did did people walk away with the with that recognition uh, at least that you know um, how how they voted individually and how that impacts the other is 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 a serious is a serious one and that there is an impact. Uh, you know, apart from my vote is my secret and majority wins. And so, you know, whoever wins is now in charge. But but that that's simple, simple, simple suggestion sometimes, but that the way I vote impacts you and the way you vote impacts me. Did, did, is, was there some form of recognition of, of that particular element that they walked away with? 
Yes, that was definitely, um, I think, a shared sentiment. Mm. Um, but it showed up again more pronouncedly in people um, really advocating hard for people to show up okay. to voting. Yeah. Um, even if they don't have the perfect party in mind or they mm. don't know exactly mm. what they're going to do. Mm. And I remember um, one of the people there, um, a, a, a very interesting young man because he's, very black conscious in his ideas yeah. and works very deep inside uh, corporate South Africa. So he came there with a lot of ambivalence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember him making a point and saying, the thing is that you don't know who's going to show up yeah. if you don't. And that one of his greatest fears is somebody who's um, on, 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 uh, in an orientation of a black conscious young person mm-hmm. is what happens if all of you know, progressive black young people like him stay at home. But every, you know, radical right-wing white person, you know, shows up. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of shared this deep fear of you don't know who will show up if you don't, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm sure that shows up in, in different voters' minds in different ways. Um, so I, I make that example knowing that. Mm-hmm. But it was really important just to realize that the power of showing up Mm. Something's way up um, as voters. And I know that because um, the one thing I don't do is shame people who don't vote. Yeah. I do not believe in shaming people into voting. That mm. is not useful at all. Because in, essence, I, because in essence, that's a choice they make for various, various reasons. And those reasons are varied. Absolutely. I mean, I was, I was in a discussion where even the question about uh, the, the rhetoric that ANC voters must be stupid. Mm. No, Tessa, 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 those last 30 seconds gone, ANC voters must be? Must be silly or irrational or stupid for mm. voting ANC. Mm. And I, I, I push back against that because people are using, even if it is limited information, to mm. make choices, mm. right? Mm. If they're saying that there are no options that they agree with, it may be because they don't know those options. Those options have not presented themselves. Mm. I think our op- opposition parties have done terribly in presenting themselves to the electorate. Mm. They're not. I, I don't ever know of a time that an opposition party has ended up at my door mm. or has, you know, directly come to look for me mm. to get my vote. They expect my vote because they're not the ANC. Mm. That's simply not enough. Um, but also people who are voting ANC may be voting ANC for a wide range of reasons. Mm. And until we know those reasons, how are we going to get my vote? I think we must start taking each other seriously mm. and start, you know, interrogating each other's choices because these choices are important. These choices are going to affect our lives, our future, your children's lives. Mm. And so it, it must become a lot more important for us to, you know, have these conversations and take this seriously. Because for, for as long as we have elections as the tool that we choose those who, you know, represent us in government, mm. we are... We have in our, our hands either something that can be very powerful in, you know, choosing, or it can be something that is absent. And something I think also that came out was the idea that it actually helps the mm. big parties, mm. particularly the big ones, mm. if we stay away. Yeah. Because it means that there are fewer people they have to convince. True story. And, and I think political parties have become lazy because the fewer people show up, the fewer people they have to convince. Mm. If but, only five people show up, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that's not a full election. Those five people will be counted as 100% of the voter turnout. 
And if they're all five politicians, they'll all vote for themselves <laughs> and they'll divide the country five ways. That's our system. And, and, and the extreme of what you're pointing out, and you said, you know, um, when people don't vote and, and you, you, you then have to live with the choices people make. Imagine if, if and, I, and, and whilst you were talking, I was just going through the extreme as, as sometimes my mind works. And, and I was thinking if, if, if a lot of black people are disillusioned and they say, I'm not going to vote because over the last 30 years I'm disillusioned um, and white people went to vote. Um, you'd wake up with a very different scenario the next very day. So, yeah, it's, yeah. You've, you've got to be very careful about deciding not to vote or, or voting. You could find yourself back in scenario one, which you had before 1994. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic way of, what I, of saying what I said, Ali, much more crudely. But, but let, me, let me give an example of this as, as we wrap. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. Tessa, I, I want you to oh. hold, on, hold on to that door. I want to bring Mohale in. Mohale has been holding for a little bit. Mohale in Pretoria, you either have a question or, or you've been you've you've got a statement to make. No, I just want to make a, like a, a statement to say like how will things go like in this way? Yeah. If I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm allowed. Yeah. No, no, no. Carry on, Mohale. Okay. What I want to say is that um, like for instance, I think the problem is our electro electrical like our system, the way we vote. Mm. Because let's take for example, uh, when you vote you vote for a political party, right? Mm, mm. And you find that when you vote for a political party, that party is going to bring their own people. Mm. But let's take it this way. I vote for a, for a political party to say, I agree with this point to say, this person must be the president, right? Mm. But on top of that, I'm saying, for instance, the EFF, I'm saying, if this person can be like a minister or something else, if they can just bring the list of saying, this is what we bring to people. Mm. People must just choose to say, this is what we want. This is what, what uh, the kind of people that we want to, to represent us, mm. like within the, 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 the parliament. Mm. Because number one, you vote for political party. They bring their own people. They put their own ministers. But you find that like... Like, let me give you give you an example for uh, when you go to ANC conferences, right? Yeah. You find people, there's a certain majority of people who are saying, we want this person to be the president, but others, they disagree with that. So, which means that if we can have a, a, a logical process whereby people can just choose for themselves to say, this is the person that we want to be the minister of what, what, minister of what, what, and so forth then I think that will be the very same way that will be like the simple way for people to choose who they want to be in a certain position and who they want to represent them in a certain portfolio. Mohale in Pretoria. Tessa, talking to what we've been talking about, uh, pre, uh, how, how, how the system came into being, uh, and, and obviously, you know, trying to understand who you vote for and and the importance of that seeing a name seeing an individual seeing a person you know that ultimately would would represent you in a in a particular way i think that's the conversation we've been having but you want to you want to speak to to that particular you know um um statement because he he speaks to exactly what you're saying ultimately yeah no no i think that's spot on yeah. um i think i alluded to it earlier this plethora of 300 parties that we have 
there's actually 600 registered, not all of them contest. Yeah. But it's all about, to my mind, people wanting to be represented mm. and wanting to feel like, then, you know, the small grouping equal voters in the Western Cape. Mm. So you didn't, never heard of that party before. Mm. But that grouping of people is not thinking that their guy is going to be president. People are not irrational like that. Mm, yeah. They're just hoping that their guy gets a seat at the table yeah. so that their issues can be represented. And I think that that's the sentiment. Um, and, I've unless you unless and, and, unless you're in Johannesburg and you and you have a one percent uh, of the vote and you can become mayor. Um, well. I think even the Algemar <laughs> voters are very shook that their guys have you know. But I, I think that that's a sentiment um, shared across many parts of South Africa. Yeah. We've had two reports, um, one the Francel Slabert report in the early 2000s, yeah. the Halema Mkhante uh, parliamentary report that have made these um, recommendations. And even recently when the electoral bill had a team of experts mm. before a, an actual bill was presented, mm. the majority view of those experts was towards a mixed system part proportional and part mm. direct. But we just, I think what we need to do is not focus on, but focus on the political culture. Mm. And so at, at ward level, for example, we already do have a mixed system, but we don't yeah. use it politically. Mm. Our ward councillors are directly elected to yes. represent yeah. us. You, you see who's, on the, you see who's on, the, on, on the poster and you vote for, for that particular individual. Correct. Yeah. But because of our political culture, treat those people as if they are taking instructions from their parties. Mm. And so we don't have mechanisms for holding those people to account or understanding what it means to, you know, have a ward councillor that is your representative. Mm. Um, a community in Kailicha has tested this out. They formed, uh, or they decided who their ward councillor would be as an independent candidate from amongst the community. Sure. That person got elected because the community was... Uh, backing them over the political parties. Mm -hmm. And what they've done is not only establish a ward committee, which every ward councillor should do, mm -hmm. they've also established a rotation where every seating of council, somebody follows the councillor to the sitting of council. Mm -hmm. So you have groups that follow the councillor so that the councillor can never come and lie to them about what happened in, uh, in, in council. Isn't that, that, in, isn't that in practicality... Tessa, what, what, what you did, you know, with, with, with the Voters Caucus and, and the voting group. In essence, that's in, that's in practicality where a community gets together, decides what their issues are, decides who the best person is to represent them according to maybe what they would have raised within, you know, uh, that particular uh, community and that particular meeting. This person would best represent all of those particular things and then you hold that person accountable to the issues that you would have had, you know, in, in, in your particular meetings. That's the, that's the practicality aspect of, of, the vote, of the voting group, where, yeah. where you then hold somebody accountable who comes from that particular meeting and comes out of that particular meeting, understanding what that community wants and, and is not somebody foreign to those conversations. Absolutely. And... Um, what's, what's really striking about that example is that it doesn't require electoral reform. Yeah. At the national yeah. and provincial level, it may be better to have electoral reform and constituencies in order to make that more effective. Mm. But at the local level, we already have it. And I mm. think as, as citizens, as voters, start to think about how to utilize it. And there may be still 
platforms. But I think that we we haven't we haven't you know wrung out the face cloth here enough. Mm. We haven't used the system that we have most effectively at local government level. Mm. But it also links to the, the the example I wanted to make earlier. So um, tomorrow um, I write about uh, the last election in Zambia. Yeah. It's called Useful Parliament. Yeah. It's a movement that was started in 2018. And what they did was they didn't start a political party. They did a voter's caucus. Mm. 22 young people met under a tree for a caucus about how do they get more young people who've never been in politics elected. Mm. That movement in the space of three years grew to 60,000 organizers mm. across the country of young people, not all of them want to run, mm. but are willing to support those who will run. Mm. And they got um, hundreds of young people who decided to run and organize around um, question or not only of getting them in, but of course the issues that young people cared about. Mm. To their surprise, and they really do sound surprised when they tell the story, <laughs> yeah. they got over a hundred young people elected in the first election. And the way they did it is they didn't start a party or even have all of them as independents. They even sent some of their members into existing political parties. Mm-hmm. But they they have the ability to vote directly mm. for those people, sure, because they have constituencies. Yeah. But to get uh, in that hundred, they had eight parliamentarians. The majority of that hundred was council members, but they also got two mayoral seats. And I, I thought about this story as really, really powerful because mm. it really did start as a voters caucus. Mm. It started as voters looking at this is the system that we have. We don't want to start just another party. We don't just want to send, you know, choose from who's in the parties that are there. How do we use the system that any different political culture, mm. political apparatus, political movement, and way of being in politics? But that speaks to, dis- to win in the system. That, that speaks to discipline and maturity. Yeah. Be- because because ultimately they know what they want to achieve. Let me let me ask you about coalitions, Tessa. As we as we've got ten minutes left, let me ask you about coalitions. Are, are coalitions ultimately the 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 result of maybe what you're illustrating—the fact that we don't talk enough about the issues and and the way we see it is in the way that we have thrown our votes at a trillion parties to represent us, you know, at at any given time in 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 one space. In Johannesburg, we've got so many different parties. Maybe, maybe, and 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 I don't know if I'm stretching it just a little too far, but but the argument could be made is that because we're not having as many of the conversations and we're not getting as much consensus around the conversations and we're not, you know, we're not joining the dots about what impacts you and who impacts us and then also the conversations about, you know, uh, coalitions and, and who and what and why and, and the benefits of a uh, one-party system versus, you know, 15 other parties. We, we left to our own devices and we don't have the conversations. So when we get in front of the ballot, we 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 because we 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 understand what our realities are, we want to go a million miles away from that reality and we start choosing. Is 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 that sometimes and, and, and choosing is great. And choosing is great and, and you know you know the options are also great to have as many options. But what it ultimately shows me as well is that in there being so many 
uh, differentiating options that we chose, we might not have had as different communities, either ward or provincial or whatever, enough consensus about all the things that that we either agree on or disagree on. And we, we haven't had so many conversations. And so when we are placed in front of the ballot box, it shows because then we go, you know, a different mile. You know, we just go everywhere. Yeah, I think the answer to that is yes or no. Mm. <laughs> and I'll start with a no. Yeah. Um, because a multi-party democracy like ours yeah. um, and a system like ours should actually have eventual, uh, um, had, have eventuated in coalitions much earlier on. Yeah. Um, the dominance of the ANC is actually is um, almost a malfunction of the system. Mm. No, <laughs> I got you. It, yeah. It's so uncommon, mm. right? So if you look across the continent, you see coalitions everywhere across the continent. If you look across Europe, Western Europe, mm. filled with coalitions, mm. and particularly parliamentary systems like ours, very rarely have an outright winner. It's not we're not a two two party state like the US, where it's kind of you know winner takes all. So we should have anticipated this a lot more carefully, mm. a lot earlier. Mm. But I think there was a bit of an arrogance when uh, those who wrote the Constitution wrote. Um, but that's a conversation for a different day. Sure. The the yes part is that I think that when it's not just that we're not having enough conversations, mm. it's also that we don't think about voting as a strategic choice. Mm. And when you ask people why they vote, there's very seldomly that we have a coherent reason mm. for why we're voting or how we're making our voting mm. choices. Someone's asked us before, right? Mm. But more importantly. Even if we don't all agree mm. on, you know, one party to vote for or two parties to vote for, mm. I think where our conversations can converge more mm. are the issues that we want yeah. to vote for. Mm. You know, um, it's what I call the what's on the ballot rather mm. than who's on the ballot. Community manifestos instead of party political manifestos. There we go. And mm. I think if we started agreeing on what's on the ballot, like those 1.4 million young people did, mm. I think that gives us a lot more sway in voting power. Um, in the U.S., there's, a, there's an example of this as well in the Georgia area, mm. where um, if people are familiar with Stacey Abrams, mm. where black communities there and social justice organizations and movements have really started to, you know, talk to each other as voters. I was with an organization that, you know, a, a genuine social justice organization on a day-to-day that said they decided to knock on 1.5 million doors mm of fellow voters, none of them as politicians, mm. to ask them, what do you want this election to accomplish for you? And on the basis of that, they formed a huge cohort of voters who were now in conversation with each other, deciding on their issues. Mm. So when the politicians came around, they could say, actually, 700,000 people who are part of our network mm. and of voters want this issue on the table. And we can influence each other. If you decide that that's your issue, then you have us and our 700,000 people who agreed on this issue with, with us. Mm. There's a power to, to the numbers. Um, and, and that's what I was trying to communicate as well mm. last week, mm. is that the numbers are on the side of the voters. There are way more voters than there are politicians or people who are members of political parties. Mm. The ANC had at best a million voters, but they needed 10 million votes to win the 2019 election. Mm. That other million people could have gone anyway. And we must start realizing that 
if we start thinking about voting strategically together, we can get parties to do a lot better in convincing us, in working harder, in accountability even. But we have to put in the work as the voter. Tessa, before you go, I've got Molala King. Molala King? Yes, Uncle Dance. Uh, thanks for, for taking my call. And, and, and Tessa, I'm a cult follower of your analysis. Not just only you, but like you and your colleagues. I can name all of you. Like the, Tessa, Tessa can hear you. She can respond. Tessa? Can, mm. okay. a, a cult yeah, follower, yeah. Tessa. But I believe that the, mm. the, like the political confusion that mm. we have, us as would-be voters, potential voters, I would say, uh, is because of you guys. And when I say you guys, I mean your colleagues as well, the Ongam, mm. Tinga, and then all, like all of all the political analysts. It's because of, they always say the same thing, Uncle Denzel. They mm. always say, mm. like, we need a change, you know, we need a change in government. They know what is the problem of, of the political landscape. They know mm. what it's about. The only problem that they always say, they always do, uh, a commit in my opinion is that they will never disclose or denounce uh, a political uh, party that you know we should you know uh, either we vote for or we should not vote for. I think that is the cancer that is happening, and then that's why many people are not voting. So I would like Tessa, like it's a it's a personal question to her. Mm. Why is it that you guys you don't you know you are political scientists, you're not analysts, you know what is the problem? Why don't you say? The, you know, the, the, the lesser evil of the party is this one. I think we should try and 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 and, and, just, and, just, be, and just be and just be more forthright and about be, it. Yeah, just be blunt. Just be blunt. The reason why people are not voting is because of you guys. I we love you guys, but you don't you don't come out straight up and say, <laughs> uh uh-uh, let's try this one. Malala King, Tessa, um, and, and Tessa, um, I just for, for, for explanatory reason, Tessa, I think he calls me Uncle Denzel, not because of age, but I'm assuming because of wisdom. Um, and so, so <laughs> I'll throw that just out there into the ether, Tessa. <laughs> but, but, I mean, but, yeah. yeah, there you I, go, I, Tessa. The, the, I love that comment. Mm. I love that comment so much mm. because... Um, we suffer from a lot of political dishonesty in South Africa. Mm. You know, whether it's in business circles or in NGO circles or in political analyst circles, Mm. it has become a swear word to claim a political position Mm. and to say what your political position is. Mm. And the reason why it's become that way is because somehow everybody must have a sinister motive Mm for sharing their views. You, you either, so you, you're RET, you're in a faction, or you're supporting, or you've got money, or so, all these narratives exactly. come out, yeah. Exactly, and that's the reason why people are uncomfortable mm. or think that it's in the best interest. But I think even journalists have started to, to you know, to put forth, the make you see this, Kaiser once said it mm. very well. He said to claim objectivity is, is not true. None of us are completely objective. Mm. What we can do is be honest, mm. right? So next year, I'm very likely going to vote Rising Zanzi. And I can give you mm. all the reasons in the world why that is the case for me. But I need to be able to put that into the public domain mm. without them being dismissed that every one of my views must be sponsored by them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I want to be able to say these are the downfalls of the ANC as I see it. Mm. I want to be able to say that without having the accusation that, oh, you must be sponsored by the so-and-sos who Mm. want this and that and the other. Mm. 
And so I, I appreciate that kind of comment because, again, I would rather know where people are genuinely and have a genuine conversation about their political positions because those may change. I've never voted for the same party in any election. Mm. I've never done that before. Does it speak to maturity, Tessa? Does it speak to maturity of, of, of the electorate or does it speak to you know, the, 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 the kind of society we are? You know, where, where, you know, social media and, and, and you know, just, just dragging somebody out onto the street has become something of, of a norm. You know, if you make one mistake, uh, everybody is at you and, and you are doomed for forever in a day. If you just use the wrong word in a tweet, for example, um, you know, and, and you are never forgiven. Is, does it speak to the maturity or does it just speak to the kind of society we have become over, over some very, very serious issues? Yeah, I think there is a, a maturity about it, but I don't think it's only on the side of us as the voter. I think mm. there's an immaturity in our media space yeah. around how to characterize this. I mean, if you think about the, the U.S. or the U.K., um, they will actually invite on political analysts because they know mm. which orientation they have. Mm. And not and that creates the and that creates and that creates the debate, yeah. Right, and also political parties. Mm. But I think that the biggest issue is there's a great trust um, mm. a trust deficit in the country, mm. and it's not just that we don't trust the ANC or political parties or politicians. Mm. We don't trust democracy. Mm. We do not trust that democracy is working. We think that there's an agenda behind. Everybody is being bought or sold because we live in a capitalist society. Mm. We think that, you know, and, and in some ways, I can understand why we think that because there's so many people who are excluded from political power and political decision making. Mm. And so it is upon all of us to, to rebuild that trust. And I think we're only going to rebuild that trust in a climate of more political honesty. And some of us are going to have to take beatings over their head for that political honesty. But um, at a, it's the only. Ah, Tessa, I, I, we didn't, we didn't hear. Yeah. Uh, I think the conversation's done as well, Tessa. But you were saying we're going to have to take beatings over our heads for that particular honesty and the last 30 seconds left. No, no, just. Um, Somebody is going to have to have the brave conversations and be the ones that people lampoon. But that's the way we change political culture. And, I, and I'm happy to be part of that work, even sure. if I get beat over the head. Sure. Tessa, I asked the EFF last week a particular tough question here on the show. Um, and, and the retort I got was, ah, I've always been wondering about your, 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 your intentions, you know, or, or, and I was like, no, 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 hold on. You know, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a journalistic space to answer a question. But you're right. Those, those particular things do happen where you could, do get even if you are, you know, putting yourself out there saying something or just asking the various questions, somebody would retort and suggest you're in a particular group or some other narrative that, 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 that doesn't belong. But yeah, I got it. And Tessa, keep, keep, keep those particular writings and those scripts and those columns coming. Tessa, I appreciate them. I think they're always enlightening. Uh, and yeah, the closer the election gets, uh, I think the more we'll talk. So Tessa Dooms, thank you so much for joining me here on Power Perspective. Thank you so much, Denzel. That's Tessa Dooms, political analyst, activist, and the director at the Ravonia Circle. Yeah, who doesn't remember that particular question I put to the EFF last week, and then the, the retort came back and said, ah, 
you know i've always been wondering about you know where where you stand and whatever and it had nothing to do with that but luckily we went further and beyond that and we sorted that out uh but yeah I, I needed also to sort that out because, uh, you know, we will ask the questions here on Power Perspective. We will uh, get to, um, you know, the tough, the tough aspects. And You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.